Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Full Contact. In association with Mitsubishi Motors. Drive your ambition. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Mitsubishi Motors. Only seven months after it was due to finish the longest Six Nations in history. It's finally over. Congratulations to England who were crowned champions after securing a bonus point win over Italy. Pretty uninspiring first half from Eddie Jones' side, but he said afterwards that he was proud of his players and lifting a third Six Nations title in five years wasn't a bad achievement. We'll be discussing the fallout from the win in Rome and we'll be looking ahead to England's up-and-coming autumn series, starting with the visit of Georgia in two weeks. Was a Six Nations to forget for Wales from champions. They had their worst tournament since 2007, finishing in fifth. Their defeat at home to Scotland made it five in a row under new coach Wayne Pivak and seven defeats in their last eight games. Former fly half James Hook will be joining us to dissect their tournament and look at what he thinks needs to change for Pivak if he is to remain in charge. We'll also round off the Six Nations action with... That entertaining finale in Paris where the French halfbacks ran amok and stole the show but just fell short of lifting the trophy. We'll also be hearing from the head coach of the British and Irish Lions, Warren Gatland, who's been speaking with The Telegraph about the tour and some of the players he's keeping an eye on. As ever, we'll be answering your questions and we'll be taking a closer look at some of the work being done at grassroots level during the last seven months as part of the Mitsubishi Volunteer Recognition Programme. Alongside me today is the former Fiji 7th coach and you can never take this away from the man, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Hello Ben. Hey, it's good to be here. Lots of rugby to chat about. Yes, well, um, let's talk about England, Italy. England 34, Italy 5. They did what was necessary. Fairly uneven performance, wasn't it? A bit lacklustre, but apart from Ben Young's man of the match performance, who, you know, he, I can't help feeling that it showed very much that this was the first run out for a side. If they'd had a warm-up game, and they would have had a warm-up game, but the idiot barbarians who called it off, then a lot of those things, you know, the slightly mistimed runs, the passes that just don't go there, a lot of that evens itself out. It was very much that to me. Yeah, a, li- a little bit the same. And I think we couldn't quite see on telly, but I don't think the conditions were, were brilliant. Um, and Italy, you know, were, were making it a bit of a pain for England, but... First half wasn't great. There was just a bit of an over-reliance on the kicking game, perhaps. And they seemed to be either going very narrow or going to the air or going high. And um, the highlight for me, yeah, was Ben's performance. I thought he was brilliant and um, shows, you know, he, he's just a wonderful player and he's he's got another three or four years easily. And well, that's uh, interesting. I was going to come on to that, the 100th cap. Um, is he still the best scrum half? What is, this is what concerns me. Not necessarily his form at the moment or maybe Simmons or whatever, um, is the fact that there doesn't seem to be a defined succession plan here. I can't discern one. Now, there's obviously a lot of time to go before 2023, if we take that as a marker, but it's not clear to me, is it to you? I think I think he's going to go on his, his the, the normal line, really, that Eddie says is he'll be picking on form. And, and so... It, 
in in the Premiership, um, that's how he's gonna that's how he's gonna look at it. I think Ben's you know not just a steady um, um, nine to be playing at there though. He's just got a good all round court game really, and he's been there and done it. And um, I think with Leicester as well next season, they won't have as bad a season as they had. Well, if they do, they're going to be in big trouble. I, I can see. I think. I think. I think they'll they'll move up the tables, and I think Ben will be a big part of that, and that will give him even more um, ammunition as far as his experiences for for helping to lead England over the next few years. So yeah, that it it was a it was an average performance by England, but they did what they needed to do. And like you said, they didn't have a lot of time on the, together beforehand. It's a, just a, it's just weird, full stop, isn't it? The whole, the whole thing is weird. And there are no fans and so on. I mean, did you think after the game that that would be enough? Yeah, I did. I mean, um, I, I, I had no doubt France would beat Ireland. Um, and they, they went into that game wanting to win the game, not necessarily chase it. And, and I think that's important for France at the moment is to gain momentum. Look, if they hadn't had the red card against Scotland, I really don't think we'd be talking about England as, as champions. It would have been France. No, no you're right there. We'll, we'll, go on to, we'll go on to discuss the relative merits of the top two finishers later on. But England have got an autumn series now. The uh, game against Georgia first, then Ireland and Wales. What do you think you would like to see? What would Eddie Jones want to see from the side? I think in the next the next game against Georgia, I'd like to see him change it up a little bit and chest that depth out, you know. And I think that's really important. Um, give guys some confidence and and put them in the the match day squad, and then from there start to start to see where the team is at. I think we probably all want to see a slightly more expansive game, but um, if they're winning, not many people are certainly. If you're an England supporter, are going to complain about the style of play. I suppose the longer the longer question is: is this style of play? when they play against the South Africans and the New Zealand sides, are, is that style going to be good enough against them? And, and the answer might be yes. Um, and we're, you know, But at the, at the moment, I suppose, as a supporter, I'd like to just see them put the hands through, the, through, through it a little bit more. I'd like to see Henry Slade playing at 13. I think he's a terrific player, and I think they could use him there with more of a direct 12. Unless we forget, we had uh, the captain of England's women, Sarah Hunter, on last week. Congratulations to them. Back-to-back Grand Slams, not easy to do. Bit of carping around people saying, well, you know, there are other teams that are not professional. Well, that's not their fault. It's for the other <laughs> unions to, to get their act together and to fund that part of the game, which is the one which can grow fastest in all um, of all the things. And, and to me, and I'll keep going on about this, it will underpin the long-term health of the men's game. It's very necessary. Congratulations to England women. Outstanding. Now let's turn our attention to Wales. Their defeat to Scotland was the first time they've lost at home to them for 18 years. It wasn't a great game either. Um, to help us with this, we've got the former Welsh fly half and regular contributor. It's nice to speak to you again. James Hook's on the line. Hello, James. Hey, Brian. You okay, Yeah, not bad. Um, yes. Uh, the No one wants to sack coaches. I mean, you don't want to get into the... You know, you lose two or three games or whatever. You. But I, I know that there is... Proper concern down in Wales, not just because of the number of defeats, but the, the seemingly lack of spark within those. What What's your feeling? What's your feedback, uh, you know, from, from around there? Yeah, I think I think there is obviously a lot of frustration and disappointment. I think I think the first game against Italy, you know, PVAC's first game in the Six Nations, it was a great win against Italy, 40-odd points, and they looked to, you know, sort of uh, play some great rugby, but I think since that game, uh, I think we've probably been caught between sort of Gatlin's game plan and, and Pivac's game plan. And you know, let's not forget, you know, Gatlin's reign was obviously so successful. There's a lot of players still in that squad who who are probably playing the way Gatlin, um, you know, wanted to play, and they've got to sort of adapt quickly now to, to Pivac's plan. So you know, it's hugely frustrating, particularly on the weekend. You know, I think we we lost the battle of the breakdown. We gave far too many penalties away and just couldn't get on the front foot and, and get that momentum and, and phases going. I don't think we went past sort of five or six phases the whole game. Well, Josh Adams, he's urged the Welsh fans to stick by PVAC, show patience and so on. I, you talked about the two styles. Can you perhaps put some more definition into this? I, I'm not exactly sure what PVAC's style is. Is he trying to play the way he was with club side or... Or is it something different? What What do you think it is? Because I, I haven't quite been able to nail that down for myself. Yeah, I think so. I think he's trying to play. You know, when he got the job um, being a scarless coach along with Stephen Jones, you know, they played with a lot of wit and you know, they had a lot of success from it. But 
you know, I suppose you, you've got to be able to adapt as well. And you take the game the weekend, you know, it wasn't a game really for, for playing, run, running rugby. And we probably lacked the, the ball carriers to get over the game line. So we have to adapt, adapt to, to conditions. And I think Scotland did that a lot better. And, you know, I think everyone wants to, wants to see running rugby. You know, it's great to watch, but we have to be able to, you know, sort of play different styles depending on the conditions and the opposition. Hey, James Bemeran here. I hope you're well. Hi, Ben. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think about the, the upcoming Autumn Nation games and whether you think it should be a chance to test fringe players or do you think there's a little bit of pressure internally and externally to stick with their best side to become must-win games? How do you see that? Yeah, yeah that's a, a tough one, obviously, because Wales now is zero from five and I think for us, the Welsh management, they, you know, they just really want to win the game and it's not going to be any easier against Ireland away. Um, but at the same time, like you say, you know, they've got to see what sort of youngsters we got coming through and give you know boys like uh, Louis Rees-Samit an opportunity mm. um, I think he will get an opportunity um, but it's a case of you know winning some games as well because they are under pressure but yeah it's just a tough one you know um, I, I think I think they will experiment a little bit um, particularly against Georgia um, but uh, first and foremost I think they'll go with their strongest outfit against Ireland away in Dublin just to try and get that win and get that confidence in the squad well, James, let's go on to a, what is a, a great high note. Your former teammate, Alan Wynne-Jones, record, world record number, 149 caps. Um, it is obviously incredible. We don't need to say any more about that. But yeah. how long do you actually think he has left, wants to 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 go on? Yeah, like you said, it's an incredible achievement. But I think he'd definitely be eyeing up this, this Lions tour in the summer. Um He'll obviously want to get on the tour. He want to play in the test, but I think, yeah, I don't think he looked past that. You know, he he's broken the cap record. You know, whether he gets 150, 160 caps, that that won't matter. I think he'll want to finish his career out in South Africa. You know, with the Lions. You know, his first Lions tour was out in South Africa, and, and what a way to finish. You know, like I say, whether he gets a, a test spot, you know, remains to be seen. But I think he'll go on that tour just because of his experience and whether he just becomes a midweek captain. Um, as long as he keeps himself fit and healthy. I, th- I think he'll go, and, and like I say, he brings a lot of experience to that squad. Just a final question, James. Um, obviously, things are not clicking at the moment. From your point of view, is this a case of it's nearly there, or are there genuine concerns about whether they will get where they want to go and know actually where they're going? Um, well, the last two performances, you know, they're not really nearly there. You know, I think they haven't really strung, so like I say, you know, more than five or six phases together. So, I think you know. I think you've got to look as well. You know, they're missing sort of Josh Navidi was massive for them, particularly yeah. at the breakdown. Tipperick pulled out last minute uh, against Wales, against Scotland. Sorry, in the last game, El Ken Owens is missing. Moriarty was missing, and you know these are big players for Wales, experienced players who know who know how to win. So without making excuses, you know, we, we sort of miss those boys. And Jonathan Davis, who's played the last two games, but he's been out for the best part of a year. So perhaps we're expecting a little bit too much from him. You know, a little bit too early. He needs a little bit more time to settle back in. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of performances, we're not really there. But, you know, I think the boys know what they can do and they just got to work hard and, and just keep keep going at it. We've all been there, boys, you know, in tough times. And, you know, we just got to try and get that one win from somewhere, no matter how it comes. And that obviously builds confidence within the squad. James, it's always great to speak to you. Thanks very much. You come on of lockdown before we do, so you can have a party. <laughs> Social distance exactly. party, obviously, but there you go. Mate, it's exactly. great to speak to you. Thanks, mate. Pleasure, boys. Take care. Cheers. Uh, ben, a quick word um, with Scotland. Look, the, the game was awful. Mm. From a Scottish point of view, I think their control in second half was quite impressive. And I think if you've been one of their fans, you know, who cares whether everyone, all the neutrals are entertained, you've been happy with that. Um, uh, Gregor Townsend mentioned uh, that Adam Hastings and Finn Russell are competing for the 10 shirt. Do you see any way, a bit like Ford and Farrell, they could accommodate them both? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, not unless you play Adam at, uh, Adam at fullback. I think Finn is going to be playing at 10 or nowhere. And I think Adam um, hasn't got the, the wheels, perhaps, to play at 13. And at 12, Scotland are looking for a slightly different type of player, a bit more of a harder ball carrier. So I don't, I don't see that happening. It's, good, it's great they've got two players in the same position that um, gives them a bit more depth. And I, I thought they were great. The, what it, it, the conditions were awful. People like Richie are really shining at the moment. And you saw a togetherness there that um, they wanted to get past yeah. after their their failure in the World Cup. I tell you what they stopped uh, doing. They stopped being bullied. Mm. You know, up front, if they're 
absolute first choice eight weren't there, in particular the front five, then they used to be in trouble. But it's not the, not the case anymore. You know, the, the, the depth in the front row um, uh, uh, and uh, prop and, and, and that's, that's encouraging because that's always been one of their problems. Yeah, and look, they're always going to struggle from a small player base. They've got the advantage of having Glasgow and Edinburgh. They've got, they've got also links up with MNLR team in Washington and one down in Nice in France. Um, so they're doing what they can to, to provide as many opportunities for Scottish qualified players. But they're always going to have that small amount of players. And so he's got to make sure that he gets every ounce out of them and they never take that backward step. I think he's done a terrific job. I think Greg has weathered the storms and the um, and probably the criticism he received at the World Cup. And I think a lot of it wasn't down to him and he's he's a terrific coach and he's got a real opportunity now to build on their fourth place in the Six Nations. Let's discuss, because there's been journalists saying France were far better. Now, if you look at the Six Nations tournament as a whole, it's so long ago, the first part of it, I think people have forgotten actually what happened. But if you go back and read what it, England actually was starting to be the coming team. They were starting to play really well. They had break like everyone else. They didn't have a warm game. They stuttered a bit. France played quite well. Now, you're involved with France in various ways. Um, I think I can see what Fabien Galtier is trying to do, what his coaches are trying to do. I don't think they're that far off. Mm. Out of sort of 10, where do you think they are on the 2023 curve? Oof. Um... (laughs) I think I think I think you're right. I and mean, the Six Nations has been really interesting from that point of view because I, I was in Paris for that f- opening game, and it was Galtier and Sean Edwards' first one, and there was a real feel good about them. And they weren't they were, they were only just beginning that journey, but that enthusiasm and that feeling amongst everyone that this was a new chapter, I think, was part was a part of that victory in, in Paris at the start, and then we, they had that aberration against Scotland. They then started to put together the jigsaw around a pivotal halfback pairing of Dupont and Tomac, and, and they will they, they they will stay because they are the best halfbacks in France. But they also um, have a good understanding with each other, and they've got longevity now. That you know they they won't just be there for well, the next fr- year. Well, or fr- two. France have got probably four or five scrums, yeah. and then the two racing scrumovers who were good, yeah, really terrific good. players, nowhere near. Yeah, but that but and I, I think we France are blessed in in that. Category and they've got you know they've they're always the gonna, number tens are very young though aren't they all three of them they are they are but they're not going to be afraid to to chuck them into top games and playing top fourteen all the time and and I think look, I don't think anyone's ever going to argue that France will always put together a decent backline um, and they they've got a lot of young Frenchmen playing in the top fourteen at the moment and then when you look at Aldrit and the back row they, they've started to get a nicer blend there and their set pieces we as we talked about you know has become better. Um, there is still some inconsistencies around the cards. I think there's bigger problems to sort out, which is the domestic competition and the home and away um, attitude that, that still pervades the top 14. That's definitely an, an issue, as is the intensity of training at top 14 is nowhere near the level of, of what we see here in England at club level. And that does roll into their test window. And, and so when they're trying to prepare, I think more than any of the home uh, of the Six Nations, the French team have the most catch-up from a fitness and conditioning point of view coming into national How counts. is that possible in a professional era? How has that been allowed to happen? I think it... That, 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 look, there are some clubs that are getting it right. Clement, uh, Montpellier, Racing, um, Lyon to an extent. You know, they, they have got some, some good people behind the scenes. They do seem to have the home and away, and there's a cultural thing around that. Protect, can, we, can we just protect explain you? this? Because, well, look, my view of it, it you know, certainly... <laughs> 15 years ago, it was almost a, an unwritten rule. You win at home, you don't try as much away, and the home side goes berserk mm. um, in front of their town crowd. Yeah. And um, that was just accepted as it is. is it, can there still be that in a, in a professional top 40? There 100% still is that. I don't think it's, a, it's as, it's as um, black and white as that now, but there is certainly still a feeling that when you're at home, um, and most of the clubs still in the top 14 are not the big city clubs. You know, we've got the exceptions in Paris, but but most of them are, are villages and large towns and they protect their, they want to protect their, their home ground. It is, as, it is as simple as that. And it's not just about when, you know, going away and it doesn't matter medieval, as much. It? <laughs> it's, it, it's part of the allure of, 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 
of French rugby, I think. You know, you, you do see the ups and downs. I think the club game and the home and away is part of that. But also, it's not just that. It's if they don't think the ways is important, then there is a the whole week build up is perhaps not to the same intensity. That just means that your season isn't as structured from a conditioning and a fitness point of view, which means that when they get to the international um, scenario, that the the, the the coaches know that they can't quite push it as hard as they as they as they want to because of the fitness base. That is changing. Undoubtedly, that's changing. They've changed their sports science staff in France um, with the national side. They're making some moves there, and they have a very clear goal of twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four Olympic Games. Um, and they they see you know Olympic gold medal for men's and women's sevens. Um, they see that they see a World Cup win in twenty twenty three, and everything is driving towards that. They need to. To cut this though, don't they? I, to me, I can clearly see the Sean Edwards influence. Um, mm. I think there's a bigger desire for them when they defend. The, the big forwards are getting up off the floor, you know, making the ground better and so on. There's a hunger for that. But there's a looseness around their play and an ill discipline. Like, not just the slapping the ball into touch, that was a spur of the moment thing, but there are other bits. You know, for example, in and around the, in and around the breakdowns, at any one time in, in, in games, they fire in. And if you look carefully, several times, you know, there are no arms and so on. And they're, they're only, you know, one quick TMO away from a red or a yellow, or, you know, many times. And the difference between them and England in that sense is England are disciplined like that. Yep. They don't have as much natural flair, I don't think, and so on. But they don't, they don't do that. And if you can't eradicate that, however wonderful their attacking prowess, and it is they can score lots of tries quickly and from improbable situations, you're always going to keep the other side, good teams, with something in the game. Against Ireland, had Ireland you know, played with their usual uh, accuracy and so on, they might, they might not have won that game. Mm, I... I can going back to that 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 point around the breakdown. For for me, when I look at that, I see what's happening with the officials in England, and I see how sharper they are on on breakdown and 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 what they do with your hands and what's legal and it's not. And in France, there's more lax around that. Now, I have seen from afar Sean working very hard on making it very obvious about about their what they're doing with their arms to reduce exactly what you're saying. But he he then will have some frustration that they go back into the clubs and they're allowed to get away with things. And as you know, if you can get away with it, then you will. And But when you get to the test arena, that's not possible. Well, surely the French Federation are capable of saying to their top 14 referees, listen, this is a problem for us. And actually, you're not refereeing it properly either. Sort yourself out. It, it's a it's an excellent point. Uh, I think you. I think for for me that would be. It's not just about about what they're doing as players. It's about what the officials are doing. So yeah, hundred percent agree. That's something that they should they should be going to the um, to their referees and having a much harder line on. The the island performance. I mean, I think what would have and I mentioned it. What would have disappointed Andy Farrell most is the fact that Ireland's accuracy. Legendary over Joe Schmidt, carrying on someone in terms of things like set piece, not losing those. The drives usually from from lineouts are usually spot on, very difficult to stop. Four lineouts are lost in a row. Then they went backwards in a scrum, and then a couple of minutes later, they missed a penalty kick to touch. Now, you don't usually want to lose four lineouts in a game, but if you lose four in a row, you can never establish momentum. And they kept doing this, and I. I couldn't discern why they had lots of conferences. Ryan was was talking and still didn't go. It wasn't just the hookers' fault. It was an all-round thing. Um, I'm almost tempted to say it was an aberration, won't, won't happen mm. again, but I'm, I'm concerned that it happened at all, actually. Mm, I, I, I agree with you. Like, you get a number of those red flag moments. They build up, you lose momentum, and you normally concede points, and uh, and, and that, that happened with Ireland. I, look, they've got a smart coach in Farrell. They've got good coaching staff, and they've got some very wily players in key positions there. Some of which you could argue um, haven't got that much time left in the Test arena. Sexton. Yeah, I think Sexton's a good example. He wasn't um, very happy about being brought off. Was he? No, he wasn't, <laughs> and I can see that he's absolutely. You know, he he, he gives it all. He, it's, 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 it's going back to the Alan Wynne Jones one as well. It's it's such a difficult um, art as a coach and selector to get those players when you know they've got so much experience, you know that in your back of your memory of some of their, their 
startling performances, but perhaps in recent times they're not quite as good. They're not like a, a, a guy coming in on a few caps where they get dropped and then they get back in on form. You drop a big star like that now, you're almost saying, okay, that's it. Who, and, is, it, who is his? Who is the backup? Byrne, I mean, Byrne's there, pro- but I mean... Probably, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen him being given much exposure and so on, and... I said at the time, look, yeah, I know he's unhappy, but it just wasn't working. You know, the, he wasn't able to play off that solid um, platform, and because of that, you know, his game was affected. And I thought, well, we might as well just throw the dice. I mean, see what happened mm. in the end. It, it didn't work either. But um, I mean, well, I don't want got... to make too much of this because yeah. let's let's be fair. This season has been so atypical. <laughs> to try and draw conclusions is a very very difficult thing, but. Um, at one time Ireland had loads and loads of depth. Do you think that's still there all round in the squad at the moment, or are they just searching a bit? I, I think they, I think there is the depth there, and I'm lo- you look at what's happening progression coming through from from age group. Um, they're even dipping into to sevens now. They've got three guys that have played Test match stuff involved in the squad in the last couple of weeks that have come from the set their sevens team, which didn't even exist three or four years ago. So I think their pathways are in place and they're strong. And uh, I don't think, I, I, I think you're right. You know, let's not read too much into this. Um, they've got a good group. Um, it has been just a weird season. There's been so many stops and starts. So it's in, inevitable that we're going to see kind of some misfiring at the moment. And uh, and I, I think all six, all, all five nations particularly have got some very positive things to take out of what they're trying to do on very different levels. Um, I, th- I certainly think there's no knee-jerk. I think all the staff, all those teams should be kept in place. And now they've got this great opportunity to have a, string, a run of games in this eight nations. I'll tell you one thing that people perhaps haven't factored in. Uh, lockdowns affect people in different ways. Now, they're in camp and so on, so we could argue it's the same as normal, but it's not quite, is it? Because they don't have the interaction and so on with outside people. And some people don't react well to that. Yeah, they don't, and like these bubbles is just weird. Uh, you know, I've, some of the work I do in, in in football, I'm seeing it as well, and it, it's just a it's just a, a just a full stop. It's a funny time, um, hard to maintain momentum off the field as well because you've got so much stop start stuff as round as testing and all the various protocols that it doesn't feel like you're in a, a flowing environment off off the field. So it's it's no surprise really we're seeing stop start stuff on the field, and you know hopefully in the next six months some of this will be behind us and just a final point one of the great things about team sport is the vicarious pleasure um, thrills and so on that you get when you win and very not just um, intra-squad but when you were celebrated it's like Exeter a double win without your fans that that, that is a I'm not saying they're not pleased to have done it but it, it takes the edge off things doesn't it because you as a player you thrive on that. You, you've seen this as a coach and a player. It helps you, brings you through things when things are difficult. That you, it's a feeling you can rely on. When it's not there, it must be, a, I, I, it never happened to me, but it must be very, very strange. Yeah, and look, I don't think we're, we're, we're suddenly saying that the poor old, poor old pro rugby players, that's not where, where we're going with this. We're just saying that it is very difficult for them and so we shouldn't be judging on face value what we're seeing on the field because there's lots of other mitigating factors on a whole range of things, both individual and team and international, that means that we're just going to see performances that perhaps don't make a whole heap of sense at the moment. Full Contact, in association with Mitsubishi Motors. Everyone's ambitions are different. You can climb to the top. Or you could take on uphill battles of a different kind. You can explore for hundreds of miles. Or you could begin a bigger journey. You can make time fly. Or you could make it stand still. The Mitsubishi SUV range. Drive your ambition. Well, in partnership with England Rugby, uh, Mitsubishi Motors runs the volunteer recognition programme to provide the rugby community with opportunities to recognise and reward the volunteers who are the heartbeat of the grassroots game. Throughout the autumn, in association with Mitsubishi, I will be chatting with a selection of rugby volunteers to hear their stories and shine a light on the brilliant work they've done during these most challenging of times. My guest for the second instalment is Gary Morgan from Liverpool Collegiate RUFC. Hello, Gary. 
Hello, Brian. How are you? Yeah, I'm bad. No, good to speak to you. How long have you been involved with uh, Liverpool Collegiate? Oh, uh, for as long as I can remember, Brian. I was brought up <laughs> on the sidelines watching the the first team by my father, uh, who was a former player. Uh, he'd finished playing by the time I was old enough to stand on the sidelines. So I used to go every Saturday watch the boys play. Uh, and then as soon as I was old enough, I put a kit on and started to play myself. Mm-hmm. Well, look, um, this is germane to me, the Cauliflower Ear programme. I've got two. Um, <laughs> can you tell us a bit more about what that means? Yeah. Uh, through my, I, I, I'm currently chairman of Collegiate Rugby Club, uh, and I've also, thanks to the RFU, done a, a couple of courses, which is the Leadership Academy and the Leadership in Union, which the RFU ran, uh, to develop administrators of the game, uh, which was a, a good investment by the RFU. Uh, I got invited on to a uh, subcommittee of the Lancashire main board as a, a volunteer coordinator. And from that, I then got invited on to the main board as a rugby safe lead. Uh, and I'm not sure if you were, the key points of rugby safe when I joined for the RFU were things like Activate, which is the warm-up activity, head case around concussion, first aid provision. Uh, but I wanted to add something else for Lancashire. So I looked at an area that was kind of missing in the county, which was mental health support, uh, and came up with the kind of catchy idea of the cauliflower ear. Uh, and the catchphrase is always there to lend the cauliflower ear to try and raise awareness of mental health within rugby clubs, uh, take away the stigma, and basically just start conversations uh, you know, so people can ask their mates in the club, are they all right? So we're going to uh, go on to that. You see, that the club supporting the mental and health and emotional well-being, what does that mean in practical terms? Uh, in practical terms, what we've put in place as a county is uh, we've engaged uh, a, a group called Acorn Emotional Wellbeing, who are a couple of professional counsellors who provide support to anyone who needs it. Uh, it's fully funded by... Lancashire County, uh, and they provide one-to-one counselling sessions with people who may need support. Uh, so that's currently done by video call, telephone call, or email, given the current climate that we can't do face-to-face stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the whole point was to try and get clubs, if they if they identified someone within the club who needed help, to give them an outlet of where to go, so to signpost people in the direction of the ladies at Acorn who can give a bit more specific support. How can people um, avail themselves of this? Is there a website you want to give us? Yeah, acornwellbeing.com or counselling at acornwellbeing.com is the email address. Uh, And this is, as I say, Jules and Sarah uh, started off doing this with Durham County rugby club or Durham County rugby uh, and when I came along I wanted to do something with Lancashire I, I looked around what support there was came across what Durham had done and uh, engaged Sarah and Jules up there uh, went across to meet them and Leeds had a chat about what they wanted to do what we wanted to do uh, and it all came together uh, quite well to be honest well that's, that's tremendous I, it's not just the um mental and emotional well-being that's been challenged with the with the grassroots game is it the actual format of the game what you're allowed to do now i've heard some worrying stories from some some junior clubs about the the measures that are in place at the moment to get some form of rugby played are not proving too attractive to uh, to some club members how's it been with you no it's 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 extremely difficult so i've got to be honest and i'm i'm very worried about grassroots rugby uh I, you know, all we can do is train at the moment. Uh, and we've been pre-season training now for over two months, which is, it, the guys kind of lose interest. Uh, you've, and also, you've got to make them feel safe. So part of what I do is go down, uh, take temperatures of players as they arrive, make sure everyone's hand sanitised as much as they can do, make sure the equipment's sanitised. Uh, but, there is a great worry, and as a chairman of a rugby club, you know, not too far in the too distant future, we were running four teams. The end of last season, we were running two teams. 
when we're actually allowed to pick up a rugby ball again and play competitive rugby, I'm not sure what players are going to be available, mm. whether they've moved on, found different things to do. Because there, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, as far as I can see at the moment, yeah. for grassroots rugby. Uh, and it is a great concern, I'm sure, not just for myself mm. and collegiate, but other rugby clubs as to... Are these people going to come back and pick up a rugby ball in the future? Well, Gary, that's mirroring uh, what, what I've heard. None of us have a solution at the moment. It's not even in our hands. So let's hope that um, we, we can all ride this storm. Look, it's great to speak to you. Uh, Cauliflower Ear Programme, again, just to remind you, um, keep up the good work. Try and keep the spirits up. I know it's really difficult, but if we don't have play, people like you uh, doing that, then uh, we're in even more trouble. So it's great to speak to you. Thanks, Brian. Good Great speaking to you too. And for more details about the Mitsubishi Motors Volunteer Recognition Programme with England Rugby, you can visit www.englandrugby.com forward slash participation forward slash volunteers. Amidst all the chaos of last year, it's easy to forget that we are actually coming into a Lions year in 2021 and the head coach... Warren Gatland was speaking to the Telegraph last week following the launch of the Tour jersey. He told Telegraph's Ben Coles that he is open to selecting players who are omitted from the national side, citing Exeter's duo Joe and Sam Simmons as examples. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, they've, if they're playing as well as they have this year and you know what they've achieved as a club over the last 10 years and um, making finals, uh, their biggest... Uh, Step up was performing in Europe, and and they've done that. They won the European Cup. Is you know I went and watched that game, and uh, you know they were very very strong up up front, um, particularly I thought Joe he, he controlled the game extremely well. Obviously his goal kicking, his leadership's been been outstanding. Look, we we're not. Um, against uh, picking players because they're not in an international team. And the thing about England is is just because players aren't in there at the moment doesn't mean that they won't be, you know, potentially be in, in the Six Nations. Um, you know, Eddie does have a huge amount of depth and quality players to be able to pick from and lots of different combinations. And so, yeah, when you look at England as a, as a base, you know, there are potentially... Um, you know, some players that may not be in the squad that you that you may consider, and we've we've spoken about players in, in the past about that. And, and as I mentioned right from the start, um, you know, selection is just a matter of opinion, and 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 that's all it is. And I look at um, the Wales squad that was selected for uh, a few weeks ago. There's probably a few players that I thought were unlucky to miss out, and a couple of players that were in the squad that I may not have picked. And, and but that's you know, I'm not the coach, and. Um, uh, the selector. So, you look what they've achieved has been absolutely fantastic. To do the double, um, knowing how hard that is, you know, when you've obviously won a uh, European competition, then to back it up the following week, um, and they did it differently. I thought Watts did a great job in stopping them close to the line in terms of negating their. I know the weather conditions had a little bit to do with it, but negating their their maul and their pick and go stuff and then they so they changed the way that they approached it and took the three points, something that they haven't been doing in the past. They've always, you know, gone to the corner. So they were they were smart in the way that they were able to to adapt um, you know, to weather conditions and, and keep the scoreboard ticking over. And that's they, you know, that's so that's you know, definitely leadership out there and um, guys doing doing well and you know, a couple of guys, you know, in the squad probably consider themselves unlucky that they they're not in the England squad, but like I said to you, you know, I'm, I'm not the selector. And but performances over the next you know, six six months or so, will, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on, on on a number of players. He mentioned Joe Simmons there as a potential lion. Um, ben, are you, were you surprised to see him left out of uh, Eddie Jones' squad? Well, I'm. Um, I think I, I think the caveat here is that we've got these next range of round of games, and I think we could see both of those yeah. being put into the squad. So um, it's happened before, hasn't it? Where where the, um, a, a player that's kind of the form, one of the form players, 
um, has been left out and then you see two weeks later he's been put in. So I wouldn't surprise me at all if Eddie gives those two um, a run at some point. It'd be great as well because they need to, you know, if there's any doubts on whether they can make the step up, well, let's have a look. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. You can postulate all you like, you won't know until you give them a chance. Um, Warren was also talking about his coaching setup and he says he won't be selecting Rob Howley for, for obvious reasons, which is a shame. But he did mention Rob Baxter is on his radar. What do you make of that? I think it's nice. To, uh, I think it's great that, that he's um, can see that you know what what wonderful things Rob's done over the last few years at Exeter, and and you know he, he's not only a, a, a fantastic director of rugby, he's a great forwards coach, and he has been on international tours. England have taken him away uh, before, and and I I see nothing wrong with it. It's not even a curveball because Rob's now got the got the resume, hasn't he, to to back it up with with Premiership and European titles. So. Um, I think it's nice that those guys get a mention and, and you know, I hope he's looking outside of that. And it's um, very much like players, isn't it, as we've just said. Unless you put a coach in, how do you know? Everyone can have their own theories about he hasn't got this or he has got that. How do you know? Well, exactly. And I think a blend's good, particularly in the coaching setup, because if you're an international coach, it's very different. You know, you are not day-to-day unless you're in camp. Whereas, you know, the, the, the club coaches that have been... You know, in the mix every day, their their coaching knife is sharp. You know, they they are ready to go in and, and will thrive in that. And I think someone like that, um, I think Rob, where he doesn't have the perhaps some of the other senior responsibilities, he's certainly worth considering. Yeah, and he's a, he's a, he's a proven winner at the moment, and he's got um, you know, he's he's a very solid bloke on and off the field. Um, I, I think I think he'd be a great great addition if they do go down that road. Maybe a bit early, and given the context we're in very difficult anyway to judge for various reasons and many of uh, which we've previously discussed um test certainties alan Wynne jones as captain <laughs> um i don't know if i yeah i mean that, that is a uh, be interesting to see how alan goes in the next couple of months i mean i know that he's got had 148 occasions where he's where you can judge him on that as well but i think it, it, you need to go on form Maro Itoji as well must be in the mix there. For, I think for a conversation for my for my mind anyway, um, and I th- and I think um, certainties as well. I, I'd love to see um, you know a Curry and a Tipperick in the back row together if you can somehow get Hog. that planned. Hog at fullback. Yeah, Hoggy for me would be the number one fullback at the moment, and at the moment the halfbacks would would be the current England ones. Um, but I think there would be some competition for sure. Sure, um, I think Finn, if once he gets a, a couple more games under under his belt, um, I, I can imagine that it would be Youngs and and Russell for me. But um, there's lots of options, aren't there? We have got a terrific pool of players in 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 Britain, and you know, with the coaching staff that he's going to be putting together. It's a very formidable team that's going to go across. I mean, I, I when I'm asked to do this so far out, and it is still, I mean, I know it's next year, but there's such a lot of rugby to go. I always say, look, it's pointless. Mm. It's pointless doing this. You can say what you like. You don't know who will be who will be fit, who will be on form, who picked, and so on and so on and so on. I mean, if you want to have the, you know, the entertaining debate, then fine. But it, it really does depend because I've been, uh, I've experienced this and I've seen it so many times. The form in the last few months overshadows nearly everything. You know, you can have a CV this wide. And as you said, you, you, might, get you might get you a squad place, but when you, they're looking at the test places and so on, it is very much on form. Mm. It is very much like that. So you, You're right, we, Brian. It's yeah. just conjecture at the moment, like yeah. you said. And like, yeah. So it's nice to throw this around because it always adds to, to well, not no longer barroom conversations, but, <laughs> but, but conversations <laughs> yeah. on Zoom. Um, so... But you're right. I mean, and I'm sure there'll be players that we haven't even talked about that will be in those matchday squads. Okay, let's finish off with some questions from uh, listeners. Um, Nigel, can rugby survive as a sport when refereeing is essentially impossible? The referee has enormous influence on the game, especially in comparison to other sports. Well, first thing we need to do that we don't currently do is actually observe, observe the law book. You know, we have a set of laws, lots of them, and then some of them are, are so grey that it makes it even harder for referees and for... Well, some supporters. of them aren't grey and they're still ignored, so... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we have to go back and look at that, have a proper look at that, not just have a knee-jerk around breakdown and, and various laws. We need to look at all of that and see what's in, what's out, and make it absolutely clear globally. Uh, regarding Lions 2021, we've talked a bit about... 
should selection balance shift from Wales to Scotland? We just kind of talked about this, haven't yeah. we? But I do think they've got some world-class players. You know, we talked about Finn and Hoggy and Richie, I think, will be coming through. And um, they've, got some, they've got some very good players. Um, but it's all going to be down to how everyone's playing in a few months' time. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if Wales get their act together, then it goes back. Yeah, point taken. Danny, why does it take so long to set a scrum up today? Even watching games from the noughties, it was quicker. The 90s were supersonic. The 80s, you said, didn't say, but even quicker. Um, oh God. I'm, sick. How, I'm sick of talking about this. It's very simple. When you gave referees the responsibility of setting the scrum, they not, uh, well, understandably, want to get it right. They're very scared of being criticised for injuries and so on and so on. It takes forever. It, it really, it, it needn't do. They could get people down a lot quicker. They could disallow the uh, the white smoke conversations that are like papal you know, uh, choices before each one. And they, should, they could simply say, look, so you're putting, if you're not ready in X seconds, 30 seconds, like the clock in American football mm. when you have to snap, mm. get a snap off in time, you lose the putting. Mm. I tell you what, they'd be down like a shot. Mm. I think you've summed it up. I think it's definitely something that could be improved and it just needs, a, it just needs to come from a... Unfortunately, all these things, you have to get some sort of notice from above that this is what we're now making a focus on and then yeah. it gets sorted, then something else and then something else. And There's... I mentioned this on, you know, it was absolutely apparent in the, the French uh, Ireland game. Uh, had France been a bit more cynical and kept going, they could have, they could have run uh, about four minutes off a 10-minute clock for mm. Simbin just on one scrum. So you're able to do that because a referee doesn't necessarily know who's at fault for not going down, not quite in there. Um, and in a close game, he doesn't want to choose because he'd be criticised for being partial or whatever. And players, you take advantage of that. And it, 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 it's, com- it's common that, though. I mean, that's that's actually trained and that's protocol. If you get yellow cards, then the, the opportunities to... to to wear the clock down are probably at its greatest from penalties to line-outs and from scrums. Um, so that's why they do it. And, and Andy, a question, he, as I mentioned during commentary, should the watch be stopped for scrums? Well, as it is at present, I think it should be. The one, the one caveat to that is this. If you do that, there's no incentive to get on with a scrum because they just say, well, it doesn't matter because the time's not being taken anyway. When you're watching as a neutral or whatever, when you're, when you're not having to commentate on it, and maybe you haven't got the ref link, it just goes on and on and on, and nothing's happening, literally. And that is a dull part of the... You know, they're talking about American football having loads of stops. It's getting a bit like that. And so I'm tempted to say absolutely, but I just know what will happen. Yeah. Everyone will just say, oh, fine, it doesn't matter because you get time back. But that's not the point because it's the spectacle that they're affecting. And if, if, they, don't, if they don't understand this... It's going to be a rude awakening because I, I, I'm not saying we'll lose. Uh, it'd be the deciding factor for losing spectators and viewers, but it's not helping. It's not helping, and I, and I think you're 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 right to say it's not just about making that decision. So, uh, you know, agreeing with Andy and saying the watch should be stopped without understanding the ramifications. And like you said, you know how that will be played out. And you could go down the roadway the last ten minutes of of each half they stop they stop the the clock for scrums but again then we're just making the game more complicated and we need to be doing the opposite of that but intellectually though Ben we, look the, the, the scrum in, in the first 10 minutes could be as equally important you just don't know so, no you don't or yeah. why pick up yeah, the 10 yeah, there you're, you're right You're right. comes on to the last question now by Martin alluded to this how can the game be speeded up because now seems to be a lot of time stood about he says rugby is slowly becoming American football and the and the the dynamics of it, of an intense activity, of a, I think it's about a minute, isn't it? Mm. Then you have to, the average is a minute on, two minutes off. Mm. Is. That is getting more staccato. And I, I've said this many times, why are players allowed to have conferences before lineouts, before scrums and so on, without referees doing it? I've seen one or two referees hurrying him up, and funny enough, when they do, it does get quicker. So it can be done. And for me, the, 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 the stop clock... You lose the throw into the line-out, lose the put-in. Very simple. If you're not there, it goes over. And you know as well as I do, players are infinitely flexible. If they're required to do something, especially something they can do anyway, they will do, and they will do this. Yeah, and we've we've seen it over the years where they've put different 
timings on various other things. I think the percentage in ball play has 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 not really messed around too much in the last decade. It's still around that half, around that fifty percent, um, not a lot more. And actually, like the other versions of the game, like sevens, it's no better. It's still about half, um, creeping up a little bit um, now. So I, I think. We just need to be stricter on all of this. And, and you're right. Unfortunately, we've got a game where you could go out to the kitchen, make a cup of tea, come back and nothing's changed. See, I don't, the, the ball in play to me is a slight uh, red herring. I don't think without absolutely drastic change, and, and, and that would mean changing the face of the game, you are going to get a massive amount of more time. But that's not the point. The point is, in between time, if you're going to have that, then make sure it's over in X time because... Mm. Then it comes quicker. Yeah, the I mean, time comes quicker. You just don't want these gaps, especially where they're avoidable. No, the overall game has got longer as far as all oh, that massively dead time. Yeah, hugely, you know, and um, and uh, and that's again down to from on high starting to go harder on all of this stuff to make it much much more stricter because we've got no problem with the fitness levels of the players. It's not as though they really do need that time. Well, uh, and uh, you know, and the number of substitutions they've got available to them. Yeah. But, but I would say, as with everything, the first step to curing it is admitting there's a problem. I'm not sure they even think it's a problem. Well, I think they just need to sit down and watch some of these games on <laughs> yeah, telly, don't they? Because yeah, yeah. you, you will see that. And, and we don't want that because there's so much good stuff that goes on. We don't want to see this game that, you know, we're, and, and you don't want to paint a bleak picture. But in the conversations earlier, we talked about what's happening at the grassroots level. And, and in their throngs, they've moved to hockey and football and other sports in this lockdown period because of what's been going on yeah. um, and we're going to lose a generation and we can't then make that worse by having a product that's getting worse and getting and and some of these things like you said they're so correctable well that's all we have time for this week on brian moore's full contact with the telegraph and mitsubishi motors thank you very much again to my co-host ben ryan and to all our guests if you enjoyed this episode why not subscribe and check out some of our previous episodes And stay up to date on all things sport. Head to the telegraph.co.uk forward slash contact where listeners can get 30 days access to all Telegraph's premium sports coverage completely free. I'll be back next week as our attention switches to the up-and-coming Autumn International Series. Until then, it's goodbye. Contact in association with Mitsubishi Motors. Drive your ambition. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.